It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 36 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.30, it is the first of a two-segment chat with comedian Tony Rock, ahead of his headlining shows at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. And a mere seconds, I am catching back up with a couple of old friends for a couple of segments as Tom and Camilla McKay join me for the first time since our summertime series a few months ago. I am your host, Trey Elling. Give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Well, it is the last show before Christmas this evening, so I thought what better time to bring my friends back into the fray for the first time since the end of summer. It is Tom McKay. I did it again, Camilla. Tom and Camilla McKay. Camilla back from school in Boston, another semester down. Thank you all so much for joining me in the home studio. How are you all doing this evening? Good. Doing excellent. Fantastic. It's so dark outside, but... um. It is dark really early. Golly. We're keeping it up. We're keeping the energy up. Not crazy about that. Fortunately, as of yesterday, the tide is turning because December 21st is winter solstice, so the days start to extend going forward. What do you mean? 21st is first day of winter? Winter solstice, yes. Which Well, it just depends. Whether people consider the 1st of December to be the meteorological winter, but in terms of the seasons on the calendar... Yeah, December 21st is the first day of winter. Okay, well, maybe we're going to start getting some cold. Or December 20th. Yeah, we'll see. The farmers say that it's going to be a cold winter this year, but the farmers don't know. The farmers are right more than everybody else are. Uh, That's true, but it's still a pretty low clip, though. It's like uh, they're not having to clear a high bar with uh, the weather guesses who are out there trying to tell us what things are going to be tomorrow, much less a week from tomorrow, you know? I love that our sources so far, the weather people and farmers in general. uh, The weather people are supposed to be meteorologists. I'm sorry, they're not looking at meteors. Let's just move on. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I had never thought about it like that before. (laughs) So... Camilla, tell me, how did the fall semester go for you at Emerson? It was good. Um, I I did some shows. I saw some hockey. I went on some little trips. It was it was nice. It was cool. How do you rank those in order of most enjoyable to least enjoyable? Like all the things I did. Yeah, the three things that you just mentioned. There. Oh, um, I don't know. They were they were all fun, depending on who I was with. I just had a lot of experiences. Um, uh, definitely performing was some was some of the best. My parents came up for one of my shows, uh, and so that was fun having them up there. We saw a couple hockey games, so that was also fun. So yeah, like a mix of all of them. So your mom told me that you were in two shows this semester. One theatrical production, and the other was a musical, I guess. Yes, yeah, so I was in one straight play called Dog Sees God, um, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead, and it's this play that's inspired by the characters of Charlie Brown, um, but they're all abbreviated. So the main character's name is CB, and you have Van, who's Linus. And um, it's basically the story of these characters as, like, really insecure teenagers, and it starts with Snoopy dead. And so it's, like, this, like it's this really satirical, like, adolescent take on the characters of Charlie Brown, basically. Um, and so that was super fun, like, doing that. And then I did another kind of nostalgic adolescent show when I did the musical because we did 13 
uh, which is written by Jason Robert Brown. And it's about like this Jewish kid that moves from New York to Indiana right before his bar mitzvah and like trying to fit in at the age of like 13 and becoming a man and like what that means. Um, but in like a way that kind of makes fun of it because, you know, we're older people like doing it. So it's like we've lived it already. So it's like a way to look back and laugh. Tough age to fit in. 13, Tom. Yeah. I wouldn't remember that, dude. I'm old as hell. Don't go back to 13. Which play did you see? 13? I saw 13 okay. because she also choreographed uh, the majority of 13. Not the majority. <laughs> uh, I wanted to see what, what her dance dance stuff looked like. so that And it was good. It was very good. They did a great job. They, the whole, that show was very good. Yeah. Pleased whole, with where you are as a dancer? Yes, very much so. I have, a, I have a dance minor right now, so I got to dance a lot this past semester, um, and that was definitely something that I already miss. Like, I get all antsy during the day. Now, which... <laughs> that's funny. Now, which <laughs> character did you play in this uh, this uh, alternate universe Charlie Brown play? Uh, so, in the, uh, in Dog Sees God, I was an understudy, um, so I okay. understudied two of the female characters. Um, and then I had an understudy run, but it was more so just like a being at rehearsal and then knowing the part in case anyone got sick. Mm-hmm. And then for 13, I was an understudy for one of the main characters. And then we also had a run. Um, and then I was also the dance captain. So I got to work with like the choreographer and then help her choreograph and like run some of the dance rehearsals and stuff, which was really good experience. It was cool. You obviously get a ton of attention when you're the star of a play, but what have you learned as an understudy this semester, having done it a couple of different times? Um, me and one of my friends are talking about this, and we, because he plays an understudy in a couple of the shows that we did last semester, and we like came up with this term like understudy rage, because there there is a thing to be said for all the people that are there just in case. Because you're putting in the same amount of work and you're showing up with the same amount of energy, but you're getting absolutely no recognition. And granted, that's because the people that are around you are supporting you, but they're also doing their job of putting on a show. So it's not like they can be there to like be praising you and thanking you all the time either. Mm. So you just have to be okay with that is the thing. And um, I feel like especially in a like student theater setting, it can be kind of frustrating sometimes with those like dynamics at play of everyone here, regardless of what your role is, is literally in college with me. So sometimes the line between like, like, I don't know, you know what I like, I don't know, like between like respect and then like popularity gets kind of blurred. So I think that's just like the biggest challenge in student theater, especially. I don't know if that made that much sense, but it does. Yeah. What is your uh, fatherly view of how her semester went? Obviously, you're a fan of her going to hockey games and you got to go uh, see one of the plays that she was a part of for the choreography. What is your uh, 5,000 foot view of her semester, Tom? Uh, 5,000 foot view is that uh, I kind of wish she had a show the whole time because it seems like whenever she's occupied with the show, she's mentally, she seems a lot more positive all the time. Mm. Um, I think she, I think she gets a little bored otherwise. And cause they're not going to, I mean, school's not going to fill her brain. Uh, mm. She's pretty outgoing and she's also pretty darn smart. So I don't see it being real challenging if she doesn't have that kind of stuff going on at the same time. So yeah, I like it when she's doing the shows It you know, if she can call me at 1130 on our walk home from rehearsals and stuff, mm. I think that's kind of cool. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's, I think I just am like a busy body. Like I like being busy Yeah. Um, with things. Uh, she sleeps a little more than me, but still less than most people. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Like six hours is a good night for you? 
Yeah, I'm also a napper. Because you sleep like three or four hours a night, don't you? I've been I've been three this week. Yeah, Jeez. no, yeah, I, I can. I usually yeah, four, average four. No, I yeah. want to sleep more. <laughs> I think I think hustle culture is just interesting though, because a lot of times I feel guilty for like wanting to like sleep or relax, you know, because it feels like everyone's doing something at all times, especially like in college when you're all like living on one street. So you're constantly seeing people moving and going to places and doing more things. I always feel like sleep is, if I tell myself, yo, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. It's like, okay, well I'm giving up, you know, because you can always do more. There's just, there's too much to do all the time. I hate that. And I just, I just feel like that. Like if I go more than four hours, I've wasted four hours. Did you hear me? I said, I hate that. I think that's that's a sixth of the day. I've already wasted by sleeping four hours. These people, people that sleep eight hours. I'm like, you're wasting a third of the day. What's wrong with you? Do you not understand the benefits of sleep though? I, like literally scientific like evidence. I know, and they up. they tell you all the things about all the different parts of your body and the blood pressure. <laughs> but you're like, and yet mine are all fantastic. So That's it's right. not going to oh, work. I forgot you were genetically altered on the planet of Mars. My bad. That's right. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. The man forgot. doesn't feel pain on planet yeah. Earth. So he all. doesn't need sleep, obviously, because that means that. <laughs> yeah, I wish there were eight more hours in every day. I think I could do it, but I do still need that six to eight hours of yeah. sleep, though. And it tends to be closer to eight. If I get six too many nights in a row, it's going to be a problem. I've been I've been struggling to like understand whether or not sleeping with sound on is better or worse for me. Like whether I can fall asleep with like music playing or not like which way is easier for me you do need to be careful about that actually let's put a pin in that we're going to get to this on the other (laughs) side we're already up on the first commercial break two segments is not enough uh, for you two it's why we're going to do a second show and it's going to be fully dedicated to this conversation she is camilla mckay he is tom mckay they are friends of mine that we spoke all summer long and had some great conversations and we're doing so again the last show before christmas right here on sports day plus it's sports day plus with trey ellie it's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. Back for one more segment with my friends Camilla and Tom McKay. They joined me all summer long during the later iteration of this program, and I wanted to speak with them the final show before Christmas. Just before the commercial break, Camilla brought up a fascinating subject, and that is whether or not to sleep with sound on. And I think there are different ways to go here. So first off, what is your opinion on that, Camilla? Well, okay, so I just have to say real quick. My when my so my best friend Bella came up and we hung out in Boston and we shared a hotel room, right? And so one night I'm like, I need to turn on music to sleep. And she goes, Oh, okay, cool. I'll turn on my music if that's cool. And I said, That's that's great, fine. Turns on your music. It is hard rock music. Oh. Turns it on, it's like hard rock music <laughs> and and she was okay good night turns over and i swear to god she was snoring in like two seconds like was out and i've never been more surprised and shocked in my entire like i was like who is sleeping next to me this is a monster this is a beast but anyways um that's Seriously. that's what brought on this 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 thought i need silence i i usually i've grown up sleeping in silence like falling asleep in silence yeah yeah there's nothing wrong with silence but it's not always possible Silence is peaceful. Because, like, if you live in a city and stuff, but you grew up living in or falling asleep in silence, now it's hard because there's so many noises. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've only ever slept in silence. The noises of the city, if it is repetitive and consistent, can actually be a good thing for sleep. And I only know that because when I lived in Chicago, drink up, I slept (laughs) next to the blue line or I I lived in a place that was literally, like, 
50 feet, let's say, from the blue line. And the blue line is one of the few Chicago lines that runs all night. It was very unsettling the first couple of weeks. But eventually, I would find myself sleeping deeper than ever before because your body adjusts and it knows that sound is coming every so often. And so it makes sure that you are completely conked out and not being your sleep is not being disrupted as a result. Yeah, it's like when they say, like, don't um, do anything but sleep in your bed. Don't eat. Don't watch TV because then your bed becomes habitual uh, to sleeping. You know? See, and I can sleep anywhere. Maybe that's just it. Maybe it is from when you're growing up, kind of thing. I can sleep anywhere, and but I but I need quiet because I guess from like the age of like fourteen to twenty six, I just passed out every night drunk. So you, mm. it was silent, and it didn't mm. matter where you were. So you know you get used to that. Now it's like just go to bed. It, you just as soon as you lay down, you fall asleep. Bam. Which you were saying before I hit record just now that you actually like to have a little something going on. The lights. I like the lights of the TV on. Don't like, if it's pitch dark, it's fine. Like in Costa Rica, we don't have TVs in the room. So it's pitch dark and that's fine. But I usually stay awake longer when I fall, when I'm laying in bed because I don't know, there's something of with the lights are changing on the television screen. I can't see them. Take my glasses off. I can't see what's on there, but it's just something, it's like a distraction. And if it's mm. pitch dark, I think my brain starts working again. And so it's like, get up and go to work. Just don't, don't lay here. You're oh, wasting time. The darkness wakes your brain up. Oh yeah. Because there's, I have nothing there to distract it. And so mm. my mind's going hard all the time. It's, I'm a messed up head. Everybody knows that it's, it's flying at a thousand miles an hour all the time. Well, your explanation is counterintuitive because television is flashing blue light. And even if you choose to watch television at night, there is something called blue light blocking glasses now that it is encouraged that you wear those because your brain will still gradually shut down just because of the natural workings of the circadian rhythm. But that's disrupted by the flashing lights on the television, specifically because it's the blue lights. Mm. But for you, that's not the case. And it just, I'm all messed up. Everybody knows that. I don't, I'm not the norm. Let's go with that. I'm a messed up soul. It's fine. It is nice to fall asleep to a television sometimes, though. Like, there are times yeah. that I'll fall asleep on the couch downstairs. Justine always goes to bed before I do. But I'll fall asleep down there for a couple of hours and will eventually wake up because something is flashing across the TV. Oh, yeah, Ceci will, uh, when, I, when, I, when, she's, when she goes to sleep before me, it's, it's always me. I'll come, come go from my office down into the bedroom, and she'll have the TV volume up so loud. It's unbelievable, and she's crashed. And I... <laughs> First thing I got to do is turn the TV volume all the way off. I'm like, How the hell did you fall asleep with this noise on? It's and it's it's usually like Friends replays or something. I mean, something you've seen a billion yeah. times, so it's just a distraction yeah. anyhow. But it's just so loud. And I'm like, How are you sleeping through this ever? Because the alarm, which yeah, I can hit the snooze button, but the first second it goes off, bam, I'm up. Let's go. Hit snooze. Yeah, you go back to sleep, but nine minutes later, you're flying out of bed. <laughs> Considering that this is the last show before Christmas, let's talk. Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody. A little bit of Merry Christmas here. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. Let's get get some more bars in. Nope. You are the professional in that this room. All. That's all she had. That's all, folks. <laughs> so y'all Thank do something you. very unique each and every Christmas. It's a special for your ladies, Tom, and it sounds like a lot of fun. We can't get too deep into it because there are a lot of surprises in store for Cece and Camilla, but what's a general overview of what y'all do for Christmas every year? We leave today, because today's Friday, so we leave today, and beginning tonight, we see the first Broadway show, and we see nine shows in six days and experience a bunch of different restaurants, and they don't have any idea 
what they're where they're going to eat or what they're going to see until the day begins in the hotel. We I give them the rundown for the day, and that's their present every day. And so their present is all these shows. They don't they don't want on Christmas night is that's my present to myself is we see Wicked every mm-hmm. Christmas night at eight o'clock at the Gershwin Theater in the front row. But other than that, they have no idea what they're going to see or anything else. So not even there's not even a same restaurant every year. You oh uh, yes, Del Frisco's too? Del Frisco Steakhouse every year we go one time. Okay. We were talking other about restaurants this. change. We were talking about this in the car and we were because I was I was talking about traveling other places like international travel and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we we're talking about how our family is just so good at tradition in terms of like our best bonding moments are when we have like a plan and we have a system because it's just so like what's the most comforting is being able to share something that everyone knows, you mm-hmm. know, is familiar with and stuff. And so I, I don't know. I think this trip is always like relaxing even though it's in one of the busiest cities in the world at one of the busiest times of the year it's really saying something i feel like that we have we the same driver like pick us up at the airport thing. he drives us to the hotel we stay in the same suite same driver every year yeah and if it's His not him Anastasios. it's one of the guys that works for him because the guy the our driver is the owner of the limo company mm. and and uh, anastasios rocks yes and we go they take us to the marriott Marquis in times square and we stay in the same suite and yeah, it's pretty much the same formula form formulaic system every single year, but different things happen every year while we're there. So the basic of it is all the same. Are there shows that you'll see like every other year, or is there a show that you'll repeat from one year to there another? Are, there I know are. You said you're a big fan of Wicked. Avenue we Q. see every year on Christmas yeah. Christmas night, but other ones only if it was a spectacular show, and usually not at Christmas. We'll go back and catch it at Easter mm. or something like that. Like Anne Juliet was so awesome last year that we saw it twice. Okay. Uh, MJ we saw twice. Yeah. That MJ Michael, Michael Jackson Michael Jackson show was so good. What a um, great show. Not most. We don't. Uh, we. We, I've tried Chicago twice to see if I could actually like it once, and no, it didn't work. Um, so, yeah, there are there are some shows we've seen twice, but most of them we only see once because new shows come out all the time. Like, we're seeing eight of the nine shows are shows we've never seen before. Mm. Except for Wicked. All right, last question for each of you now. Again, we're going to catch up a little bit more. We're going to get sure. a recap on the New York trip. After mm-hmm. the new year, going to find more about your some of the travels that you referenced at the very beginning of this conversation from this last semester, okay, or the trips that you took, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Christmas mean to each of you? And Camilla, we'll start with you here. Um, Christmas means I don't know. Christmas is just kind of like a holiday to me. Like it just means like a break. Um, I think it's just a designated period of time that people do different things. Because I feel like the holidays are so subjective based on people's circumstances. Sure. That I don't know anymore. <laughs> because I feel like our trip isn't necessarily related to Christmas. It's just the fact that we do it at Christmas time every year. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, well, we do do midnight mass on Christmas Eve every year. And we go to the to the actor's church. They actually have a small chapel where it's for the actors on Broadway. And we actually mm. go to midnight mass there. That's cool. Tom, what about you? What does Christmas mean to you? Christmas still means the birth of Christ for me, but it's it's uh, it's it's a family time, and that's why I, I mean this is my family. So you know, the we get together, and that's we spend the entire time together for you know, seven days. I will say that a movie that like a movie that represents what Christmas means to me 
in the emotional sense is, um, I was talking with my friend about this today, Home Alone 2. Home Alone, definitely. Home, Home Alone, Alone and two. Home Alone 2. Okay. I think particularly the Home Alone 2 is the one where he's lost York in New York. Yeah. Really yeah. brings out the commercialized side, but then you also have that sentimental side, you know, of just like a mm. child exploring Home Alone the magic. 2 is <laughs> one of the three movies that I cry at. Yes, it's beautiful. What? It's a beautiful yep. sentiment. I talked about this on Wag Show. Uh, I feel like my answer was a little cold, so I had to throw in that Home Alone there's, there's, Bri- there's Brian's song, which everybody cries. It was. Yeah, everybody know, cries like, during oh. Brian's song. There's Field of Dreams, when they both have the same dream at mm. the same time. Makes me cry every time. No matter, Even though it's coming, I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. Yes, I cry. And when the old man is talking to him at FAO Schwartz and he gives him the meaning of Christmas. Frick, I just got goosebumps. Mm. Cry every single time. Because I think it's just the awesome, most awesome thing in the world. Because it's, it's about the spirit. It's Christmas. And, and anybody that's upset and and lonely and everything at Christmas, do something to get with somebody somewhere. Just share something. That's what Christmas is about. That's mine. All right. Yes or no answer now. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie, Tom? No. What? I, no. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, whoa, exactly. whoa, whoa, whoa. I was ready to it is like a one, movie. Two, three, it was yes. a it was a movie no, done. That's what I was doing. It's a movie done at Christmas <laughs> time. It is not a Christmas say. movie. That's mine. It's that movie, everybody has an that opinion. That movie doesn't happen if there's not a Christmas party that everybody is going to. Yeah, what do you, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> what Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's we're, it. We're possible. So bad. We're There's the too end. many ways we could go with that. Yeah, I know. We'll maybe, we'll maybe continue that debate on the other side. They are Tom and Camilla McKay. Merry Christmas to your both. Thank you so much for the time. Happy, fun, and safe travels to New York and back. We'll talk after the new year. Coming up, it is a two-segment conversation with stand-up comedian Tony Rock. He is headlining Cap City Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow. We will talk stand-up, life, and more on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Tony Rock is a longtime stand-up comedian who is honing that craft here in Austin this weekend at Cap City Comedy Club. Two shows tonight, December 22nd. Two shows tomorrow, December 23rd. Go to CapCityComedy.com to snag any tickets that do remain. Tony, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. How's everything? Everything is great. Welcome to Austin. Uh, you've been here since yesterday. If so, have you gotten to enjoy anything about the city just yet? Uh, I've been to Austin several times. I, I went to, uh, we did the show. We did one show last night, Cap City, the new Cap City. Uh, I, I knew that I had performed at the club before. So when I got there, I'm like, wait, this doesn't look like the club that I was. And they told me they moved it. So I didn't know that. And then I went over to the mothership. I had to check that out. And uh, they gave me the tour. They gave me the, the royal tour of the mothership. And that was pretty cool. Oh, very nice. May get your thoughts on that in just a sec. The, but uh, the new Cap City is great. Uh, the old Cap City, as much as I loved it, and it was a great place to see a show, it was in kind of in an armpit part of town. And the new Cap City is in the uh, the shiny new domain. And it's just a great club, too. Obviously, the Helium people came in, uh, did a, a thing that we all appreciate in reviving that club. But uh, what they've turned it into, as just far as the comedy club aesthetic goes, is uh, second to none. Yeah, it's really, really nice. I- you know, the, the comics, we just really appreciate a good green room at this point. Like the cl- the crowds, of course, people coming out, but just that little downtime in the nice green room says everything. 
What's important in a green room? Maybe a television with a decent monitor? Got to have a TV. Got to have a TV that actually works. And that's not a smart TV That because I, I don't have Hulu or Roku. Just a regular channel-changing television. Oh, with the uh, the basic cable channels where you can maybe scroll through the, uh, the DVR list, huh? Give me, give me some ESPN and some uh, First 48 in, in the interim before I go on stage and I'm great. Yeah, so I, uh, in uh, looking into things a little bit before our conversation right now, found out, and uh, this did jog my memory too, because I actually remember seeing this digitally at some point, that you did an NBA pregame show several years ago, but you are a huge basketball fan, big uh, New Jersey Nets fan, Brooklyn Nets fan, excuse me, going back to the old school, I guess. Uh, yeah. wh- when did you start rooting for the Nets? How far back does your, uh, does your Nets fansmanship go? Okay, so my basketball trajectory is this. I was a Laker fan my whole life because of Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson is my, my favorite basketball player of all time. You know, Magic left, and it was like, well, who do I go, who do I root for now? And then Shaq and Kobe regime came in, and I was like, okay, I'll ride with these guys for a little bit. Then the rift happened with Shaq and Kobe. I wrote, I went with Shaq. Like, you got to go with the father or the mother. I went with Shaq to Miami. I'll root for Miami for a little bit. Then as soon as they started saying, as soon as the news came out that there was going to be a team in Brooklyn, it was automatically determined that will be my team. That's Brooklyn. That's where I'm from. Now, the thing people don't know is where the Barclays Center sits used to be the hub for the New York Daily News. My father worked for the New York Daily News my entire childhood. So when they tore down the hub to build the Barclays, I figured, okay, that has a tie to my family. My dad used to work there. Now the new ground is the Barclays, so that's my team. What'd your dad do for the New York Daily News? Oh, he drove a truck for the New York Daily News. Dad was blue collar truck driver. And every one of my siblings, myself and every one of my siblings older than me, we all, all of our first jobs was working at the New York Daily News. Oh, that's fantastic. How old were you and what were you doing? Uh, I was about 16 as soon as I could get some working papers and we would ride on the truck overnight and just throw the papers off in front of the supermarkets and throw the papers off in front of, you know, bodegas around New York city. So I kind of learned my way around the five boroughs very easily. And, uh, if we were lucky enough to get that route that my dad had, we got to hang out with our dad for the whole night and just talk and tell stories and, you know, have a late lunch and early breakfast and all that stuff was pretty cool. That sounds uh, in- incredibly healthy and incredibly beneficial for you as well. You know, it's funny to think about uh, just the direction that digital has taken everything. And there are plenty of positives to that, let's say. But there's also things that it's sad that they're no longer a part of that process anymore. Like I used to love the physical copy of a newspaper. Some of my earliest memories as a kid we're flipping through the Dallas Morning News sports page. Uh, may have been in the bathroom, maybe taking a few minutes too long. The legs start falling asleep or whatever, but like that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. My, my dad drove a truck for the New York Daily News. My mom was a school teacher, so my mother stressed education. And one of her tricks was, well, if I can get them to read, I just want them to read anything. So we always had newspapers in the house. We always had stacks of papers in the mm. house because my dad would give our neighbors you know, free newspapers in the morning. So if my mother, my mother figured it out, like if they have to read, if they want to read something, we read sports every day. We read the funnies. And if there, if there was a story that was like trending in the neighborhood that made it to the paper, she knew we'd be excited to read it because we knew the, you know, the people involved or the, the neighborhood we knew. So it was pretty, a, a pretty tricky way of my mom to get us to read every day. So I do miss a hand, a, a copy of the paper in my hand. I miss it a lot. It's like uh, sneaking vegetables into a pasta sauce, you, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah. whether or not you realize it, there is something very, uh, 
very beneficial going on there in terms of that long-term evolution. As far as the comic strips go, what were some of your favorites as a kid? Uh, uh, Dagwood. What was it? Dagwood. Okay. Uh, yeah. Calvin and Hobbes. That came a little bit later. Calvin and Hobbes came a little bit later. Uh, family. It was something family. The family tree, I believe it was. Oh yeah. Uh, or the family. And they do the, uh, where you've got like the dashes of where the kids have been on, on like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Hagar, the horrible. Yeah. Remember that was that? a good one. Yeah. We read them all. We read them all. Yeah, my uh, my one of my kids has gotten into Calvin and Hobbes, which I'm really happy about. I'm I'm trying to introduce them to the far side, but that's pretty out there. That came later too. Yeah, so maybe uh, when they get to the teenage years, they'll uh, be more receptive to something like that. Now uh, you have a little one at, at home, and uh, I see uh, just via social media and you talking on podcasts, and he brings a ton of joy in your life. How old is your son now? Four or five years old? He'll be four in May, so he's like three and a half. Okay, so where are we with the Christmas experience right now? Oh, my God. I'm so glad you asked. So I put, sorry for the kids that are watching this, I put the toys in the back of his mommy's truck so she can wrap them. She goes grocery shopping this morning with him, with Charleston, opens the trunk to put the groceries in. He sees, luckily, he saw one toy. He saw one toy and had to have it fit in the parking lot so she had to give it to him so he has one toy now and when she facetimed me about a half hour ago he's like dad look what i got i'm like how in the world did this happen you know what uh that one's explainable at least you're not having to break the whole uh mm, spoiler alert for anybody with a a kid in the car right now change the channel and wish unless you want the lie exposed because eventually you're gonna have to have that santa claus conversation with him so fortunately he only got the one and didn't see the whole shebang so that you have to let him know the, the reality about Santa too, you know? You know what's, you know what's interesting? Uh, a group of comics, a group of comics were talking about this uh, last week at the Laugh Factory and they asked me, are you going to tell him about Santa Claus? And I said, for what? Like, why why not just let your child live in the fantasy of what he believes and who he believes, what the, whatever he believes about Santa Claus. Let him live in the fantasy. There's, I don't know. I said, if you guys show me one grown up that still believes that, then maybe I'll have the conversation with him. But we all know how it ends. We all know we grow out of it, and he'll grow out of it. So why not just let him have the fantasy? You're There's right no about thirty-year-old walking around like we still believe in Santa Claus. Like you're gonna you're gonna grow out of it. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately for my kids, when they ask me questions, I have to be completely upfront with them. And so my response to them is, "Do you want to know the truth, or do you want to know the BS that adults are telling you?" And they always want to know oh, the truth. So I had to tell them about Santa. And now they are in third and second grade trying to explain to their classmates that Santa's not real. And it is hostile out there in the uh, the Santa, no Santa crowd in elementary schools, apparently. You, you have officially let your children ruin it for all their classmates. Yeah, it's a problem, though, Tony. My kids have unfortunately been saying cuss words since way too early of an age, too. But it's one of those things where it's like, I know how I speak. And so I need to try and be upfront with them and say, look, I'm going to say certain words. You can use those words too if you want to, but just you, you need to understand how you're using them and who you're using them around. If you say the, S, uh, the F word around one of your grandmothers, that's going to be a big problem for you. And I'm not going to be bailing you out there. But if you're upset with something and you drop a damn or, or maybe an F word if it's well-timed, well, uh, the, the person who loves comedy in me is going to have to get some appreciation out of that, you know? 
Yeah, no, see, I don't I don't know about the curse words, but I have I do have a rule with Charleston. If he gets in school trouble in school, if it's funny, I might let it slide. So now, even at home now, he does things and gets in trouble and gets put on timeout. And then when I come home, if mommy's telling me what happened, and he'll look at me and says, and he'll say, Dada, was it funny? And I say, you know what, kiddo? That one was funny. Come on, you're good. You're out of timeout. You're good. That was funny. So you're, so seeing, really- you're, you're seeing the sense of humor really come along then, huh? Oh, every every day. What does Uncle Chris do? Uncle Chris is funny. What does Uncle what does Dad do? Dad is funny. What does Uncle Jordan do? Uncle Jordan is funny. What's Charleston gonna do? Charleston's gonna be funny. I'm like, okay, here we go. Uh, other than the uh, the obvious content that it can provide on stage, has having having a kid shaped how you go about creating stand up comedy at all? Not so much how uh, how I create it. No, uh, the process. My process is still my process, but uh, now I have to be. Uh, just, I, I, I actually feel that I'm more time, I'm more timed with it. But that, what I mean by that is mm. because I have so much time with him, you know, it's when I'm with Charleston, it's just Charleston time. Yeah. And then I will be there. I have to, you know, regiment my time more now because when it's our time, it's just our time. I don't want to be busy. Hey, dad is writing. Hold on a second. You know, cause I don't want to be dismissive of his time. So now I'm more structured with my writing. That's good that you can compartmentalize that and make sure that you're being completely present for him. Yeah, you have to. I I said. uh, I have. I said that I have to be aware of when the time we spend is memories and moments, memories and moments. So I don't want to ever be in the time that is his time, doing something else because that's not a good memory for him. And we're not creating moments that are going to last forever. He is stand-up comedian Tony Rock performing at Cap City Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow night. A couple of shows each night. You can go to capcitycomedy.com to snag tickets, or maybe you're just walking around the domain right now doing some last-minute Christmas shopping. Great time to duck into Cap City Comedy Club to check Tony out there as well. Sort of an end to the night, if you will. Coming up, one more kiss. We're walking with Tony on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie. One more segment with Tony Rock. He is performing at Cap City Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow. Two shows each night. Go to capcitycomedy.com for tickets. And Tony, embarrassing admission time. I know you're a big NBA fan, big Nets fan. I may get your thoughts on uh, this year's Nets in a sec. I know they're toiling in uh, play-in game land, which is a an awful spot for any NBA fan base to be. But I uh, had to give up the NBA back in 2006 as a result of one of those Miami Heat teams that uh, you rooted for with uh, Shaq and Dwayne Wade winning that championship. That was the final straw for me, dude. I'm not going to lie. I was I watched that series play out and looked. Dwayne Wade was great, but I also saw a lot of referee man- manipulation in that series too. And that I just it turned me off for good to the sport to where uh, even though I was a Mavs fan growing up, watched him win that championship a little bit more than a decade ago. It was fun for Dirk yep. and just how uh, confident that Miami team was, but I couldn't appreciate it like I once might have been able to. Kudos to you for sticking with it. And uh, what do you make of this year's Nets team? You know, at first, can I say this? I've seen that a lot this year. This year, I've seen a lot of like, they're they just letting this go. Like the refs are just letting this go in one direction. It's more obvious. I think it's more obvious now. I've seen a game recently where uh, the Lakers, it was a Laker game, and LeBron called the timeout when the ball, nobody had possession of the basketball. But like they're scrambling for the basketball, and he calls timeout. And it's like everybody knows you can't call timeout if you don't have possession of the basketball. They let him get to call the timeout. 
they go on to win the game. It was just like it kind of soured the whole experience of sitting through the whole game from beginning to end that the, the refs would have so much of a, of, of, of uh, you know, input in the outcome. So I, I didn't like that at all. Was but, that was that was that in the play-in tournament? Yeah. But, okay. Against, and so uh, the Lakers go against, on to win it, and they have the banner ceremony and whatnot too. Yeah. Wow, that's very interesting to hear about. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the thing with the Nets is this: so the, they 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 lose uh, quite a few games. But when I go to the games, my my thing is as long as this game is interesting, as long as I'm sitting there and there's a little bit of interest and okay, they were down 10, they back, they got it within three and now they're up five and it's back to two. As long as that goes on, I'm not expecting them to go to the finals. I'm not expecting them to be the number one seed coming out the East. I just want to sit and watch a basketball game that is interesting. So when it's over, oh, they lost again, but it it kept my attention for the the two hours, two and a half hours. So I'm, I'm good with that. So I heard you say on another podcast that you're a big fan of Katie and Kyrie, even though they're no longer members of the Nets. Uh, People here in Austin love some Kevin Durant. Of course, he played one season here at Texas, won the Naismith Award as the uh, best player that year in college and has gone on to a very, uh, very successful NBA career as well. What do you love most about watching KD's game? That was actually when I I remember KD from Texas. I remember like just one Saturday afternoon watching college basketball and was blown away who is this guy this young boy is incredible and i followed this career the whole time i followed the, the seattle kd okc didn't really care too much for uh the warriors after what had happened like they lost game seven the next week he signed to the warriors that was weird i hear some uh some uh conspiracy theories about that but uh, that? i just like his game now again what's that that uh nike Nike didn't have a stronghold in that Warriors team. Uh, Clay was with the, the Chinese company. Steph was was with uh, uh, Under Armour. Wow. Nike didn't have Nike didn't have any player in that that what that five six year run that they had. Nike didn't have a player in that in that camp. So Nike kind of forced him to go to the Warriors. Whoa, that again, that makes a lot of sense considering how yeah. much shoe money is in basketball. Yeah, yeah. And they were, you know, the, everybody was Warriors fans out of nowhere. Everybody was, a, you know, a bandwagon Warriors fan, but he had no stake in it. Hmm. Yeah, and as soon as he got hurt, he was like, I'm out. Sure I have fulfilled my obligation. I'm, I'm gone. But I just like how smooth this game is. I like I like his nickname. I like Easy Money Sniper because that's exactly what he plays. Like, I, if you could put a game to that that nickname, his game is Easy Money Sniper. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, he's uh, on an interesting Suns team now, too. Yeah, if they could just, if those three guys could ever play together, that'd be amazing to see. It's, uh, it's one of those things. It's like it's happening for the 49ers this year where they're keeping everybody relatively healthy and you see what the potential is. Uh, they're hoping for something like that in Phoenix now as well. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think the 49ers might be coming out of, out of the West. So you got the grand tour of the comedy Mothership last night. I know that their, uh, their main room show was actually canceled uh, because of some uh, travel issues, I guess. But uh, what were your impressions yeah, of, of seeing that place for the very first time? Man, that big room was amazing. I, I just really looked at it like this is, you could tell a comic had some input in this room. You could tell a comic was involved in what it should look like, how it should feel, what should be available, like the little room off to the side of the stage where you can watch both both rooms 
like the little comics hang out. It's, it was done really nice. It was really, really nice. I like it. Oh, the green room where you can go out on the, the balcony on one side or yeah. I'm not yes. sure what the, uh, I'm not sure what it looks like in the smaller room. What, was there a show going on in the smaller room when you were there and the yes. little boy? Yes. The yeah. little boy room and the, uh, what they call it? Uh, the, the, the fat, what was the big room called? Fat Man and Little Boy, yeah, named after the atomic bombs dropped at the end of uh, World War II. Okay, so with stand-up comedy going through a sort of golden era right now, Tony, it comes with the responsibility of helping us let people who are new to the art form know that there's certain ways to conduct yourself at the comedy club, right? Like in this clip culture where crowd work is helping people to become more popular, it is enabling those who don't know any better to shout out during shows. And we need to let people know it's yeah. not your responsibility to talk during the show. It is a performance. If the comedian wants you to talk, he will address you. Otherwise, shut up. Laugh when you need to laugh. Clap when you need to clap. And don't turn it into Mystery Science Theater 3000. Don't, yeah, you're right. about Don't yell out. Don't make it about yourself. But I think it's a professional comic knows how to handle that because people will yell out a lot during my show because I'll say something about, you know, about a topic. And it's like, no, we don't. And it's like you either give them the just ignore them or you say something that will just make them sit down. But I think professional comics know how to handle that. Like a, they're making a political objection. Yeah. Yeah. I Last week, I think about something that happened last week. Last week, it was a young lady in the room and she said, uh, I, I say the joke about uh, I'm not a Trump supporter, but I do support Trump supporters because I've never seen blind loyalty like that before in my life. And the lady's just like, no, no, he's doing great things. He's closing the borders. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to turn this into a commercial. You can feel how you want to feel. And then the room's like, boo. And I'm like, see what you did? See what you did? They started booing her. And I'm like, you see what you did? You make, now everybody, now everybody hates you. So just, just sit down and be quiet. That type of stuff. It's like, you can, you can, you can nip it in the bud quickly if you know what you're doing. Very poetic way with words there. The way that you just laid that out. It was well-written and uh, well-rehearsed, too. I mean, you just did it like it was nothing right there. That was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, when I do it on stage, it really it, it gets a favorable response. Are you uh, getting close to shooting uh, that next special? I mean, I'm assuming that you're feeling really good about the, uh, the current hour that you have going on. I'm guessing you probably have a lot more than an hour, too. Thank you very much for asking. So I shot a special in March of 2023, I did all the shopping and the pitching and nobody's bid at it. No, I, get, I, I couldn't get a deal. I got very little help from management. I got very little help from my agency. I got very little help from really nobody helped. I, every every dime spent to, to make this happen was my own money. I literally spent my own money to get this done. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I feel like I didn't really get a lot of help from other places management agency you know comedy clubs because nobody else had had anything to do with it because because i did it 100 percent myself so with that said i'm currently in the process of uh trying to get it on streaming services roku tubi hulu amazon uh there is a site that you go to you send the special they have to clear it they have you have to send them a uh a closed caption version. You have to send them a different formats for different uh, streaming services. It's the process. It is a process, but I know a few comics that did it and they have their specials on maybe six or seven streaming services. It's an 80, 20 split and they're making some good money. Mm. So if this goes right, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm hoping by January 10th, that it will be up on streaming services and if it is, if it's up by the end of January, I, I pray that it doesn't take that long. I'm ready to shoot and do it all over again myself by, I'd say, 
April. I'll go back in and do it all over again myself and just use that same route because I'm not going to wait on just the, the, whoever the higher ups and the, the people that anoint this comic as the guy, I'm not going to wait on him to say, Tony rock can do a special. I have the material. I have the time. I have the stage presence. I can do it myself. That's the worst. The worst thing, the, the worst thing you did industry is let me realize I can do it myself. I was just about to ask you because we've seen a lot more comedians in the last couple of years just post things straight to YouTube themselves. So for whatever yep. reason this falls through, is that the next option? Yes, I, I was actually I was going to go YouTube route. I was going to go to YouTube route, but I didn't have a a, a space in the YouTube. I didn't have a, uh, like anything in the YouTube space, so I didn't want to put the special up first and right. try to build the following. If I had a million YouTube followers right now, I would do it no problem. Sure. But I'm so I just started the YouTube, you know, trend and putting content on my podcast actually is on YouTube. It's on uh, my podcast to have two episodes up. It's called Live from the Green Room. It's on YouTube, uh YouTube forward slash live from the green room. Please check that out. We have two episodes up right now. Uh and once that starts building, if that builds up and I think, you know, we have enough of a following. I'll put the special on there. Well, uh, Tony, thank you so much for the conversation today. I know it was a little bit random and all over the place, but I try and mix it, it up great. a little bit. I know you've told your story a thousand times. You've talked about your brother a thousand times. This is about you today and uh, encouraging people to go check you out. Cap City Comedy Club, a couple shows tonight, a couple shows tomorrow night. You know you're going to be out. It's Christmas time. You're going to be out and about. There aren't a ton of tickets left to any of those shows. Go to capcitycomedy.com. If you're walking around the domain here in a little bit, go see at the box office. If there are tickets, there may be, and you will not regret it. Tony, thank you again, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And uh, if you get a chance, we I know we didn't talk about my brother, but go see him too. He's a good comic too. He's pretty good. Right, another show is in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be back on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. In the meantime, have a great weekend, a very Merry Christmas, and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling.